tēnā tātou katoa, no mai whakarongo mai, welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's officially 99 days until the election and things are certainly heating up. We've had more concerns raised at Oranga Tamariki this week, an evidence-based report on gangs and a focus on health this week from the government. Ko Lillian Hanley tōkuingua, I'm Lillian Hanley, the One News political producer and with me to discuss all this are the most dedicated and diligent of New Zealand political reporting. Would you like to introduce yourselves? I'm the digital political reporter Felix Demaray. And I'm senior political reporter Benedict Collins, sitting on a very squeaky chair, which we've got to replace. <laughs> um, Benedict, who has been alone amongst his peers, his other political TV reporters, I should say, in the in the gallery this week, holding it down for us. So shout out to you, Benedict. Uh, diving right in, though, yesterday was 100 days out from the election, and Benedict, you did a mini survey up and down the country with reporters out doing voxies. What were some of the issues coming out? coming out for people. Yeah, it was pretty cool actually. We've got our um, our team of One News reporters out and about all over the country from um, Helen Castles up in Whanganui, up in uh, Whanganui, no- you mean. Northland. <laughs> Whanganui. Whanganui's, Whanganui's on Tatamani. Whanganui. Oh, ma- oh, ma- oh, Manganui. Ma- ah. Manganui, yeah. North, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you'll find that's further I north. I think you said Whanganui. Jokes uh, we, had, um, <laughs> we had r- reporters out in uh, Waikato and in Hamilton. Uh, we had um, Abby Wakefield doing voxies for us um, in Masterton. We also hit Christchurch, uh, Queenstown and Dunedin. I mean, we sort of asked people a range of questions, you know, how are they feeling 100 days out? Um, and a few of the key topics that came up again and again from members of the public, um, really around healthcare, around nurses, around education, um, ar- around our teachers as well, just again and again. Those I think those were the two key topics that really came back to health and education yeah especially looking after our nurses properly paying them properly and paying teachers properly and fixing the shortages in both teachers and nurses but we also sort of asked them a range of other questions um you know had they made up their minds whether or not you know which way they were going to vote And, and lots of people hadn't actually yet they were they were still sort of sitting on the fence which shows it's such a tight race right and this is something yeah yeah, and a lot of people, that's exactly what a lot of people were saying. They were saying, you know, 50-50, they're not sure which way it's going to go. Even even I find myself kind of sitting there sometimes thinking, ah, oh, some, sometimes I'm thinking it might be the left block, sometimes I'm thinking it might be the right, and it kind of, even in my own mind, it's kind of changing around as to how I think yeah. it's kind of got the advantage from yeah, week kind to of, week. You kind of have a moment where you're like, nah, this, it's definitely going to go this way. Yeah. And then you think, then, yeah. And then the, other, and then the other side sort of has a really good week, and I'm thinking, mm. oh, no, maybe uh, they will, you know. Still in the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of a fascinating um, place to be. And yesterday, um, as part of that story that we ran last night, uh, Christopher Luxon, he was having a, um, a community meeting in Taupo, um, you know, and he's really fired up. Um, like and he, he sort of listed all the places he's going over the next week, um, just to community to community to community, um, up and down the country, which I thought was kind of interesting because on Monday this week we went out with him. Um, he did like a walkabout in Tawa, and uh, he, he he got out of his uh, ministerial um, limo, and it's not well, ministerial, not, <laughs> well, not Crown ministerial, car. but uh, Crown Crown, car. you know, um, opposition leaders limo, mm. and uh, got out and he thanked the press gallery for getting out of Wellington and outside of the bubble and outside of the um, Beltway. It's a tower, well, yeah, in tower, <laughs> which is a, um, a whole fifteen kilometres away from Parliament, as I pointed out in my story, uh, and. He does often give that opening, that, that sort of his opening greeting uh, to the media. Often when he's out, um, out and about outside of um, 
Wellington, or even in this case, not so much. Uh, and it does really enrage other members of the press gallery, which I, I do find quite um, delightful. That really does uh, entertain me. But it does kind of come back around to. Oh, I think it was, I think it was Thomas Manch in his piece highlighted the fact that. Um, you know, the fact that, yeah, Luxon kind of acknowledges, like, and it makes this point, particularly to the public that he's speaking to when he is out and about with these in these visits, you know, that, oh, yeah, it's good on, good on the, the gallery for getting out and about with me, that sort of thing, despite the fact that he actually, you know, initiated the, and, and the, the, the visit the first place, and so therefore the invites well, the, the press gallery that, because yeah, that's the whole that point. That great little piece in um, Thomas Manch's um uh, story was that somebody was talking to him and talking to Christopher Luxon and Christopher Luxon said oh yes it's really good to talk face to face with people and get away from the press gallery That's and the right. media and <laughs> while he was surrounded by the media who he had invited he had yeah, so to this- come with their cameras and show him walking <laughs> through Tower so yeah. you know so uh, it was a good little side eye from Thomas Manch there <laughs> yeah and th- so he Another interesting thing that happened there, they went into the cafe, Urban Eatery there, and that's I think that was that conversation there with the um, cafe owner. But also, she kind of just out of the blue gave him some um, advice. Uh, she, she would really like to see a change of government, funnily enough, given the National Party took the media in there. Obviously, that um, sorted out her political leanings beforehand. Um, but she said, hey, look, people don't know you. You need to get out there. But everything she hears is people just don't know you yet. And that's something we've sort of heard quite a bit. And even yesterday, when we had our reporters out around the country, uh, people were telling us they still feel like they don't really know Christopher Luxon. Um, They're not really sure about him yet. They haven't made up their minds. I mean, the guy's been in as leader of the National Party now for, I think it's well over a year and a half. Yeah, it'll be two Um, years, November this year, right? So it is kind of fascinating that he's not really having cut through with a, a good segment of the, of the population who feel like, hey, I'm, I'm just not really sure who you are and where you stand on things. Wasn't there one person in those Vox Pops uh, last night, which I should say, by the way, Vox Pops are the kind of journalistic lingo, lingo, I suppose, which is where we go and talk to regular everyday people on the street. Um, and I think one of, the, one of those people said, um, oh, yeah, not quite sure about Labour, not quite sure about National, but I don't really like Christopher Luxon. I'm not convinced by him. And so the, I thought that was really interesting. And there were a few other people who made comments about the leaders. And it just shows that that sort of presidential race that gets in Kiwis' heads is still very much alive and well. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, in the sense of people still feeling that way, given he does, because he does do a lot of travel. I mean, he, you know, he listed all of these things. He, what was he? He was in Waikato the other day. Um, he, he was in Topol yesterday, heading to Dunedin today. You know, he is out and about and he is visiting people and places. So intriguing that, yeah, that isn't necessarily getting a huge amount of cut yeah. through. We, we also asked people how they felt. Um, Chris, so we asked sort of how they felt Christopher Luxon was going, how they felt um, Chris Hipkins was going. And we also got quite a bit of feedback from people who felt that Chris Hipkins was really doing his best and he's been totally undone. Um, but by the behaviour of, of his MPs, you know they're saying you know he re- he really needs to sort out his own his own bunch basically, um, and, and that despite his best efforts to try and you know lead the country, think things are pretty messy now. Uh, and we inter- uh, we interviewed um, Carmel Cipollone, Deputy Prime Minister, uh, yesterday for the track as well, 
And you know, our um, reporter asks her, you know, why is it your ministers keep messing up? And she said, oh, I don't really think this has, a, you know, I don't think the public really tune into the political dramas of any political party. I think they are um, focused on the big issues, uh, which is, you know, clearly it is having cut through with the public. And I mean, anyone who followed the last election would know that, um, you know, the political dramas within a party have, you know, really do have massive cut through with, with the public. So maybe a bit of wishful thinking there by the Deputy Prime yeah, Minister. People are very engaged, uh, they seem very engaged and, and very, of course, smart. And, Smarter and it, than maybe they get credit for. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And w- also whether it's, you know, perhaps you may not know all the ins and outs and the specific, you know, mistakes or specific rules that have been broken or whatever it might be, but it, it, it does, you know, it would be hard to miss after, what is it now, five different ministers having some issues being you know raised and talked about in the media fairly often over the past few months mm. what i observed uh yesterday too with christopher luxon and topor is it seemed to me because we've got two weeks of recess this this week has been the first of two um and the official election period begins on the 14th of july i believe um but from here on out it's it's the campaign, really. It's on, it's right? It's on. And you could tell that he was just rearing to go. He was excited about it. It seemed very genuine, which I think is really interesting if he's got that energy and verve. And I haven't, hadn't seen him kind of that amped up until now. Right. I, the, the energy thing is an interesting one as well. I do think, and I'm not sure if you guys have noticed this, um, but uh, but uh, but yeah, there is an energy from, mm. from Christopher Lux and there's an energy from the opposition, certainly, uh, and whether that's because they can feel that momentum, they can see it's quite close. Um, they hope, you know, they have an, they have a chance basically. But I, but I, I'm kind of seeing a bit of a exhaustion, I suppose, or just a, a level of kind of tiredness from the government. And unsurprisingly, given the kind of past sort of five six years that they've they've had, and then again this yeah this kind of first six months of this year being off to a really good start again the way that they mm. maneuvered the change of leadership and that that kind of they they were hit the ground running and, and then it promised to focus in on those bread and butter issues you know and, and dump some of their you know policies that they kind of were getting bogged down with to try and focus on these these issues and it's it's just all gone pet shaped mm. yeah but it will be it's going to be a um very close race is the thing that <laughs> yeah. I'm taking we're going to hear that over and over and, and over and Felix again. is right all right so Pretty much from here on in. I'm just going to save that recording of Benedict saying that. (laughs) New ringtone. For once. Um, (laughs) We we are kind of getting into serious, almost pre-campaign mode now, right? Every week from now on, you're going to have political parties announcing new policies, you know, holding events. Um, We've got the Greens having their annual general conference this weekend up in Auckland. Act Party, they're coming up with, you know, that hot topic, law and order. They've got another announcement there. It seems like. Just about every week we're getting new law and order um, announcements at the moment. So, yeah, things, um, they're really ramping up. totally. Um, I should mention too, we did have uh, from the Greens their housing policy the last weekend and that included a 3% cap on rent increases uh, every year and that's been, I think, a bit of a topic of conversation here. Again, just the the sort of difference in approach and how you deal with a a housing shortage and a, a housing crisis and quality of houses um but yeah looking ahead do you reckon just <clears throat> just on that do you reckon the greens got the cut through on that you know did it have the impact do you think maybe they wanted out well, of that? 
I will just quickly say I don't think it necessarily did the same way that the tax one did. I thought that they, you know, their tax policy announcement, perhaps because it was quite, you know, it was really, really big and there was a lot of new stuff in there, whereas the the, the housing, some of their housing policy was actually just rehash stuff from last time. So there wasn't a lot of new elements in that regard. So, no, I don't think it, it got the same amount of cut for it compared to their last policy announcement, which they're kind of doing it, their sort of strategy I've found is that they're doing sort of big, chunky policy announcements and they've got, you know, a specific amount over a couple of months, whereas what we're finding, you know, I don't necessarily say from ACT, for example, I don't necessarily have a clear schedule yet on kind of the the topics that they're focusing on and when. I think that they're doing lots of little, well, not little, but but smaller perhaps policy announcements over a longer period of time. So whether that kind of gets them in the news more often, for example, but perhaps on a lesser scale, I don't know what the better strategy is. I wondered about the strategy, too, of announcing a policy on a Sunday before a recess because, you know, you want to set the narrative, set the conversation for the week, right? And I don't know, it kind of falls into a black hole for me if you do it on a Sunday before a recess, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? Or Uh, is there some other I I don't know if I'd agree with that. I think... um, I know in terms of viewership and stuff, Sunday Sunday night's a really big night. Um, yeah. In terms of Kiwis turning and in, tuning into the, um, you know, into the six o'clock news, and you're probably setting yourself up for, you know, going into away. those Monday morning newspapers, into those into your morning reports and your and your news talks. You're probably setting up the start of the week quite well to, uh, mm. you know, I, I think it's not a bad idea. Mm. Okay. Um, speaking of law and order, though, I just thought we should touch on that. Uh, this week there were. More reports around concerns raised at a Oranga Tamariki Youth Justice Facility, um, one in South Auckland over the weekend. Uh, a number of young people had gone out and up onto the roof and stayed uh, overnight, actually, over that weekend. And then at the same facility, a couple of days later, a video surfaced where you know some of these young people in the facility had been uh, MMA fighting each other uh, and actually being filmed by staff members. So, uh, yeah, you know, yet again, you've got Oranga Tamariki in, in the news and Calvin Davis kind of having to field questions around this and, and challenges around this. And actually, something that I thought was interesting that had has been mentioned over the week with this is just how hard Calvin Davis, um, when he was in opposition, going kind of the minister of the time when these videos an adult facility, very different in Mount Eden Prison, but you know fights within Mount Eden Prison and, and him kind of attacking the opposition around the privatisation of the prison and Serco and that sort of thing. And now it's sort of, he's, you know, full circle, he's in the position of power now and he's the one that's getting, he's under fire for, you know, young people under the watch of our staff members, you know, supposedly to keep them safe or in, in this facility and, and, and not doing so also surface the issue around the staff members um, apparently they only get trained for two weeks in this facility to, to work in this facility so you know a range of issues there um, that need to kind of be dealt with again minister under fire yeah um, and I, I think politically it's quite in, quite interesting I was watching um, yesterday morning on, on on breakfast TV top interview um, in the morning was um, Karen Shaw from the act party who obviously um, grew up in stake here as well, kind of bringing in her her perspective on things, which I thought it was really interesting to kind of have someone who's been in that environment coming through. Yeah, and she was really 
you know, critical of of the government and and the lack of action that we're seeing. You know, sort of saying, hey, it's review after review, but you know, it's time for the you know the minister especially to take more responsibility mm. here. And uh, one interview actually I thought was interesting by somebody who was formerly uh, in one of these facilities uh, and is now on a sort of advisory board for them. He spoke of uh, the need, you know, he, he was sort of like, oh, yeah, OK, Mike Bush is coming in to do this investigation, but actually I want the minister and the CEO of Oranga Tamariki to come in and, and you know, actually find out what's going on and do something about it. So I guess a challenge right there to the top. Um, but on that kind of broader issue, there was also, and I guess <laughs> speaking of inquiry after inquiry, uh, a report from the chief science advisor out this week around gangs, basically, and what what needs to be done or what you know shouldn't be done, basically. But if, but a, it was sort of almost like a lit review, I thought, a literature review, because what they did was sort of collated a whole bunch of evidence right around gangs and put it all together. To, you know, laid it out and presented it to the government. But also, interestingly, that, that the government kind of didn't make any fanfare about it. You know, there was no sort of advisory, there was no PR out about this no, report no press conference. being <laughs> released. Yeah, I, I sort of, I heard it on Morning Report and we sort of discussed Benedict, you know, covering it that day because it's quite interesting in the sense of, again, law and order being this, you know, major issue that the opposition, again, want to keep on the agenda, uh, attacking the government for being soft on crime, uh, particularly the issue around gangs, uh, and something that, I guess, the opposition, national in particular, being targeted for not necessarily having a lot of evidence around uh, some of the policies that they are proposing. And then, yeah, we did. We had this big report come out showing (laughs) evidence on how to kind of of how complex games. the topic is. Exactly, that was the, that was the first line, right? Yeah, <laughs> incredibly complex. Um, and I, I was sort of thinking about with the um, the stuff with Oranga Tamariki, obviously incredibly devastating um, uh, images there of of those those young people fighting um, and 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 getting up on the roof and all that sort of stuff as well. And it made me think of that report and how I've got my um, story here on uh, a little summary of the gang report, which said reducing gang harm required tackling underlying social economic issues, including inequity, intergenerational trauma, housing and family violence. Um, And it's just that Venn diagram, right, of young people being let down in in terms of socioeconomics, um, you know, of having perhaps parents who are uh, involved in... um, institutions like corrections or the justice system or whatever and then they end up in places like Oranga Tamariki and it just gets worse and worse and worse and those are the underlying problems that lead to gang membership in in many cases not in all cases because again like Juliette Gerard was saying in her report not all gangs are the same as Mm. well they they come in different forms but yeah just such an incredibly complex issue and what I fear is that politicians can oversimplify it because that is, it's easier to do it that way, you know. It's easier to grab votes by saying tough on crime or, you know, what, what, whatever it might be. Yes. So I spoke to, like, a range of people um, for, our, for our track, um, for, our, for our story at the 6pm bulletin the other night, and, and everyone a- agrees that, you know, law enforcement is absolutely part of tackling the gang problem, right? Um, 
Jared Gilbert, you know, the criminologist that I spoke to, and, and one of the authors of the report, um, Professor Ian Lambert. Now, he was really, really interesting. Um, so we went and met up with, um, met up with him out at Porirua and had, had a good chat with him, um, sort of about the report and, and what he sees going on. And he's actually an expert in um, youth justice facilities, and he's travelled all around the world looking um at these sort of facilities, he's been to the United States, and he's like, "Man, if you," he said to me, "if you'd ever been in one of these facilities, there is no way you would call for things like boot camps." He said they are so dehumanising, um, they're horrific. I think, I think he said to me, "You know, kids were like cuffed in there uh, all, all the time." He said they just come out way more damaged, way more problematic than when they went in. Um, but he was saying to me, um, and it's. Basically, the education is the great equaliser, right? If you want to get kids out of the gang pipeline, um, you've got to keep them in school. Um, as soon as you start dropping out of school, um, you, your chances of getting into trouble, into into the gang life, start going up and up and up. And you're saying, look, and it's not just academic schooling, right, and education. It could be if you can keep people involved in sport at school and you know excelling at sport or kapahaka you know culturally keep them invested and keep them engaged with these institutions you know and 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 with their community that's the way out of getting people into gangs in the first place and that's where you should be focusing you know so much of your effort um you know i think they kind of and they really did call out you know the national party Sorry, they didn't really call out the National Party proposal of uh, boot camps. I'm not sure which came first, the the uh, idea of boot camps or this report. But yeah, they're highly critical of boot camps. Mm. Um, basically saying, yeah, just, just ridiculous. They just, they just do not stack up. The evidence does not stack up. And I know that you know the National Party will turn around and say, oh, no, our boot camps are going to be different. They're going to be filled with all these people who are going to help them with literacy and numeracy and all this stuff. They're going to be these you know wonderful... Um, Holistic uh, military uh, academies is what they call them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they're going to come out fine. fine every citizens. single time, uh, it does amuse me. Every yeah, single time yeah. Christopher Luxon's asked a question about boot camps, he repeats the the co- concept of the question at using the term military academies. And yeah, like some sort of utopia um, for but, troubled kids. Um, also, but, hasten to add that the National Party has said that they part of their policy around this stuff is also around social investment, uh, you know, the English concept of social investment. Absolutely. So, yeah, Christopher Luxon has also pointed that out. Jared Gilbert, also interesting, he, he just pointed out, you know, there have just been reports like this just done again and again and again and again and again, um, pointing out the same things. Nothing ever changes. Um, he thinks the political discourse is disgraceful. Um, I can't repeat exactly what he said to me, but he's uh, sick of even talking about it, um, to, <laughs> to put it to put it uh, politely. And then I had a really interesting email after the story went to ear from um, a, a lady from a, a PR firm who's been really kind of in, invested in the story over many decades, uh, uh, with, I think she represented some people who work in this sort of um, youth, uh, trying to turn around youth space. Uh, and she, there was this great quote from a report from decades ago. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy who made it, but he said, you show me a kid at three and I'll show you the man he'll be at 30, which right. is kind of like just that, you know. You can you can picture or you can see what will you look happen. At the you can look at, at their circumstances, their right. environment. Um, and you can just absolutely predict what Isn't sort it, of adult they're going to be. To me, that is just so unbelievably heartbreaking. Devastating. Mm. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, I, I guess it, it speaks to, to because we are uh, the issue being that uh, 
there are many different situations for three-year-olds, right? They're going to have mm. there's so many different lives already at play at three. Yeah. Yeah. That are not equal and not... Everyone should have the same chance in life, but it's that's not the way it is at the moment. Mm. Um, I, I, the last thing, I suppose, and you kind of did touch it on it there, Jared, uh, Jared <laughs> Benedict, <laughs> um, not Gilbert, uh, but around the, the fact that, yes, the, the discourse has been politicised, really. The, 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 the issue has been politicised and it will continue to be um, over especially over the next few months in the lead up to the election because uh, that's, you know, a number of people have pointed out how that is something that does garner votes and um, actually it was Jack Tame, I think, wrote a piece this morning uh, online just around, you know, the, whether the, the kind of correlation of whether there is an increase in crime or the increased report of concerns around crime and, uh, you know, those sorts of numbers don't necessarily match up but people do feel unsafe and that does correspond into yeah. something, right? Fe- perception of safety is almost as important, if not as important, as actual safety. I've got the I've got the uh, the exact quote and name of it was Sir Clinton Roper who uh, made that quote, and it was "Show me the boy at three, and I'll show you the man." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just quickly mentioned before we finish that the the government had sort of tried to focus on health this week. I don't know wh- why or wh- what they were trying to do, but it was sort of like a you know a health week focus. Um, and so they had a number of announcements from Minister Vero and, and Minister Little actually acknowledging a number of people joining the health workforce but also laying out a plan to fill the shortages which they said that within a decade we might be short 13,000 nurses and 5,000 doctors which is wild to me. Uh, they announced pay equity for midwives, lifting wages for a number of them, and they've also boosted the pay equity offer for Tefatu order nurses, and that was around the back pay dispute, something that Andrew Little, when he was health minister, got a lot of stick about. Um, I did, yeah, I sort of was curious about the focus on health this week and why so many announcements in, in kind of one go, uh, but I did get told from a source that it sort of happened that a lot of the work that Minister Beryl started when she came into the job had kind of come to fruition at this point and so they'd managed to secure a sort of a number of announcements that they could um, put out there all in one go which again you'd hope would be quite a positive thing for the government you know a range of like if health is you know something that people are uh, worried about then these announcements would be something quite uh, would be successes, I suppose. And then on the same note, I'm not sure if their teams planned it with each other, but National also had a health <laughs> announcement this week um, that on Wednesday, I think it was, a new medical school based at Waikato Uni, which, um, yeah, again, I guess tied into the health theme of the week. But this, I thought it was quite a, a, it was a cool idea, new, new medical school. Very um, concrete idea, pardon mm. the pun in a sense, because I suppose it could be foundationally concrete. be built. <laughs> um, I think I was kind of thinking about Labour Party's um, announcements that perhaps might have fallen a bit flat in some ways because while some of those things might be good things, they take time to actually have an impact. Whereas if you say to a voter, we're going to build a med school, it's kind of like, right, action, something's actually happening. And it's true that it would still, it's not until 2027, I think, um, that people would actually graduate through that Waikato um, uh, uni med school. But it just has this 
sense of being really palpable to mm. a voter that just means that I, I kind of feel like the med school um, announcement probably had more Im- impact than than Labour's. What do you reckon? I can't can't say in the sense of what like I I I, hear, I agree in the sense that it's something it's very very tangible, um but but I guess you could also argue that if you hear that nurses and midwives are being paid more mm. that's something that you like you immediately I'd be like oh well that that's something that's they've been no, calling for for ages yeah. yeah, um but yes the med school the sort of criticism I think from it's sexier that's what it is <laughs> it is the criticism from the government was sort of like how are you going to pay for it you know yeah. while you're promising all these tax cuts um, and they sort of made the point too that it's not it wasn't a necessarily a new idea so it's also something that the Nats have kind of you know proposed before but this time they seem to have a sort of solid buy-in from the Waikato University not so much from Auckland University though <laughs> um, for some reason and just to finish off, uh, mention that Chris Hipkins will be heading off overseas again. So he's done this big trip to China um, today, this afternoon. Actually, he'll be making a foreign policy speech. Uh, not entirely sure exactly what he's going to be outlining in that, but it's on the eve of a trip to the EU. He's going over to sign, formally sign the FTA, uh, the EU FTA, uh, which will be positive news for businesses, imports and economy. exports, the economy. Good luck for, for him again in that regard, um, but also attending a NATO summit. So sort of rubbing shoulders with the with the kind of Western international powers that, you know, this again, this tightrope that he's dancing with between China and the US. So he's kind of doing all of the rounds, it seems, pre-election. Mm, I just got an image of Chris Hipkins on a tightrope dancing in I don't want to um, see that I just image. wanted to share that with our listeners so that they also get it because I don't want to be alone in this. You're also interesting, like, kind of times. <laughs> That's Benedict's Benedict's ringtone, a phone call. by the way. Everybody needs to know this. What is that song? Benedict's had a few phone calls this um, week. Yeah, interesting timing as well, isn't it? Going overseas when um, he's facing some domestic uh, troubles at home as well. Um, He'll be nervous. Every time he goes overseas, yeah, something yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he when he was in um, the UK? Yeah. Went to China. Yeah. Could he when he was in China, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see what next week holds for him. Mm. Flying commercial this time, not because um, the uh, the old seven, not seven, with his Air Force plane. Seven five seven would have to probably take three days to get to Lithuania. <laughs> uh, should we finish on our pits and peaks, Felix? Have you um, look, not. Probably not a political pit or peak. Uh, my political my my peak is that I went to a personal trainer and he said I need to eat more. So now that's I'm drinking exciting. chocolate milk. <laughs> like how often does that happen? That's that's a peak. I don't does have it, a political. Does your one, trainer sorry. know that it's chocolate milk though? Like, are you supposed to be drinking chocolate milk? Look, calories are calories. I need to increase them, and I'll do it this however is I can. Not a fitness podcast, by the way, everybody. This is <laughs> this like, is don't by take now. this. I was going to say, look, there's nobody here with editor in their title, and and we've we've been quite good considering, but um, you know, it's off the rails now. Indeed, it's gone fits by. Should we wrap up? Wrap up, Benedict. Have you got some highlights or lowlights? Oh, I've got two peaks. One oh. one is that today will be the last day that I'm in the office as myself by myself as the only six p.m. Um, reporter, and Mikey and Jess will be back next week to share the workload, which will be great. <laughs> Um, and the other peak, I got away without Felix banging on about the result of the, uh, the Rabbits versus uh, Warriors game last week. So I think I'll take this as a win. But okay. perhaps uh, 
perhaps I played that perfectly because I made you raise it, and therefore masochistic, masochistically. <laughs> What's the word? Is it? Oh no, I was going to try fight. Well, there's a w- anyway, Inception. Was uh, that Inception? Or was sport. That what you were. Uh, it's like reverse, reverse psychology. That's the one. Yeah. Reverse psychology. You the Rabbitohs absolutely trounced the Warriors. <clears throat> it was fantastic. Glory, glory to South Sydney. I don't have. <laughs> That's a- why no one likes you, Felix. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. Felix, I, I think you're right. I'm gonna share your peak and say that yeah, this is the last <laughs> day that it's just going to be us. But at the same time, I'm going to use that as my pit because it has been lovely. Just being us, but I um I very much am looking forward to having the full team back together. Not to mention Jess, Sam, and Tokyo will be back. We haven't seen them since they've full crew. Uh, been in China, so it'll be good to have the old gang back yeah. together. And then one more week of recess, and then I feel like things are going to really it's the really election campaign. <laughs> Let's Basically. go. This was uh, One News Inside Parliament, your peek behind the scenes on the biggest political stories of the week inside Parliament. Head to One News for more insight and follow One News on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. One News Inside Parliament is available on all good and even average podcasting apps where you can also leave us a rating. Do you have a burning political question or want to hear more from us on a particular topic? Send your feedback to insideparliament at tvnz.co.nz. To finish off, a big thank you to our recording team. It's just Brian today. Shout out to Brian and Lisa, who's uh, having a nice holiday. Hey, Te Wiki. Catch you all next week. <laughs>